Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Here come the artifacts. Over the years, there has been many a filmmaker in possession of a sensational record collection. We've spoken to a few of them on the show, from Andrea Arnold and Richard Linklater to Nicholas Winding Refn and Danny Boyle. But just because you have impeccable taste doesn't mean you can translate that onto the screen. I'm Edith Bowman, and you're listening to Soundtracking, the podcast in which we hear from directors, writers, actors, composers about the music in their work, with excerpts from the tracks we discuss woven throughout the conversation. Thankfully, writer-director Mike Mills knows how to enhance a story with sound, as evidenced by his latest movie, 20th Century Women. Set in 1979, it tells the story of a mother who enlists her bohemian friends to help raise her son and is part based on his own childhood. Music is central to both the development of narrative and character, with the artists featured all close to Mike's heart. Each selection is inspired by personal experience from offerings by Susie and the Banshees through the Buzzcocks to Black Flag. Indeed, when it comes to talking heads, he even bought the T-shirt. Well, his sister did anyway. Mike Mills, welcome to Soundtracking. Thanks. Congratulations on this new film. Did music form part of the initial idea for you? Yeah, definitely. That's part of why I picked 79, the year that it's set in. And the story's very personal. It's sort of a portrait of my mom. And the Greta Gerwig character is sort of a portrait of my sister, who did go to New York in the 70s and got turned on to that music, the sort of more arty New York version of punk, and sort of brought that home to me. Got me that Talking Head 77 t-shirt, you know, which I wore. Okay. that is very personal and music for me personally is sort of cloud that we call punk and it's so easy to punk has become a cliche the word yeah but it really was a, a revolution in music and emotional options especially if you come from suburban america it was like a whole other way of thinking that kind of saved me or saved my emotional life and I wanted to write about that in the film so yeah you're right it's sort of like the fifth beetle of my movie <laughs> And 
it's sort of like the plot of the film in some ways in that punk is this thing that's happening to all these people and, and, and affecting them differently. Mm -hmm. And the mother's born in the 20s, grew up in the 30s and 40s, and her music is epitomized by like Rudy Valley's As Time Goes By. This day and age we're living in gives cause for apprehension with speed and new invention and things like third dimension. Yet we get a trifle weary with Mr. Einstein's theory. So we must get down to earth at times. Relax, relieve the tension. No matter what the progress or what may yet be proved, the simple facts of life are such they cannot be removed. You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The world will always welcome lovers as time goes by. So, as we were in the edit, we did kind of figure out that one way to understand the movie is it's as time goes by meets um, Why Can't I Touch It by the Buzzcocks and all the problems that ensue from putting those two things together. And that's sort of my mom and me. wonderful power where it almost acts as your companion, your friend, your confidant and it's done so brilliantly. There's some wonderfully memorable scenes in the film as well. Annette Bening yeah. trying to interpret punk in her dance moves. When you start thinking about a scene like that, and I was reading lots of stuff in terms of your preparation with your actors for this uh. particular film. How did that work with Annette, for example, with that particular scene when her and Billy's character and yeah. he's kind of almost trying to encourage her to yeah, embrace yeah. it and feel it. And but he's outside himself. Yeah. As a, sort of counterculture hippie type. He's younger than her, but he doesn't have real access to Black Flag as she does. I mean, again, this comes from my life a bit. Like, I was into all that music. And my mom, she's born in 1925, but she has sort of a generous bohemian quality to her. Or I feel like people who grew up during the Depression in America have sort of like a socialist, anti-authoritarian open-mindedness to them. So she would try to take my music really seriously and try to understand what is this Black Flag stuff you're listening to and what does it mean? And she would listen to it as one might listen to Mozart, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and be disappointed <laughs> or, or just sort of confused. I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. My head really hurts. If I don't find a way out of here, I'm gonna go to Tiffas. I'm crazy and I'm hurt. Yeah. 
And so addressing that scene, that scene kind of wrote itself in my head. It just plopped out. And I think for her, similarly, she just got it and what it was all about. did as part of the rehearsal we did do a lot of dancing to different kinds of music everything from black flag to glenn miller and had all my cast members dance as a way to energetically get to know each other and to just not be cerebral and i do believe that music is magic and operates in an irrational non-discursive way so it's a part of how i enchanted everyone into being in 1979 and into being a family and to being different contrasting parts of a family I love how your film starts. You have this wonderful piece of music that waves in and out of the film at different times. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a timeless piece. It's quite modern. Uh And then it comes up the date, 1979. And you work with Roger Neal again on this. What was your ask of him? What do you see it being used as? Well, it was a very long journey to get to that music and the the score that's in the film. I started out thinking I was going to have like very traditional score sounding symphonic music, maybe string concertos or big strings. Because my movie is very unusual and I try to disrupt normal filmmaking you know I don't rely on plot a lot I have all these disruptions in the film these digressions and I thought oh a really juicy romantic score or like strings kind of like from like Chelsea Girls would be a great way to hold it all together and kind of fool the audience and that you're watching a normal movie and we tried that and it just didn't work so I have Talking Heads in my film I have DJ by Bowie and I I had an Eno song at one point and I realized man Eno is really the connective tissue and Eno is so crucial to 70s revolution in music so that song is very we're using all 79 synthesizers so in a way it's very period oh wow uh it sounds very contemporary but it's like heroes a little bit it's very eno to mm. me and we're using the selina selena selina however you say it we're using all those synths that they loved back then it's the bowie eno talking heads connection uh, which is very th- thick in my movie became the score after lots of trying things and not working it was like oh this sort of ambient electronic music thing from that era just for whatever reason just like feels right beautiful beautiful piece oh, of music oh, good. I love the authenticity you took with that though in terms of the materials that you used in uh-huh. insisting yeah. on the yeah, specifics yeah. that was very fun and then you know all the music came out in 79 or 78 77 you yeah. know so it's really like if you turn on the radio then if you're a hip punk person you turn on the radio <laughs> it's all stuff that you could hear 
playing in scenes, playing in rooms. We got the vinyl, played the vinyl through stereo system and recorded it that way. And it has a, it does sound really beautifully in the room. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, music and film can be used in so many different ways. You know, you can use contemporary music in a place of score, but the music's, a lot of the music in, in this film is in the film. It's yeah. a band playing at a venue. It's yeah. one of your characters putting a record on a piece of vinyl. It's yeah. part, it's in the room, it's there. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Greta Gerwig talks about the raincoats right down the supermarket, and she's sort of riffing off of that great Carol Marcus essay, Processing Pun. talking about Black Flag, what it means, what are the lyrics, and then putting on Talking Heads, which were called Art Fag music by a lot of hardcore kids at the time. So yeah, there's arguments and discussions of music and what it means all throughout the movie. I see the shoreline I see the white There's lovely moments as well where you're reminded of the way that the narrative works in terms of the narrator sometimes when, mm -hmm. when it pops up and tells you facts and things and you have these popular culture things or news or historical moments flash up whether mm -hmm. it be, you know, there's an image of Louis Armstrong who pops up and mm -hmm. things like that and there's just such wonderful reference points. Are all those true to your experiences or is there a bit of creative license in terms of what you imagine them being? It's mostly very real because I do believe that if you take the concrete objects from someone's life it really does help give you insight into that person. So there's these kind of like little essay bios that to me are very sort of indebted to Godard, French New Wave, like the beginning of Tupac Bien or something where you just look at objects and they're they're part of the portrait of these people. And the film is essentially a bunch of portraits. So my mom did wear Birkenstocks, she did smoke Salem, she did carve that wood rabbit after reading Watership Down. You know, all those things are just very, very one-to-one. When she was dying, we played music, but we played Glenn Miller, and I switched it to Louis Armstrong to Basin Street Blues, which is just the most beautiful song ever, and it's the first song I played for my son when he came from the hospital, like when he was born, and we had sort of a wild, terrifying birth situation, so we got home from the NICU, and I just wanted to introduce him to music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, here's music. Yeah. And uh, I played that song for him, so it's sort of like a little ode to my boy in that way. Yeah, Mason Street. 
is a stream Where the folks, they all meet And do all these The line of dreams But a day, but over My husband made a mixtape for us. Yeah. My firstborn came out to Into My Arms by Nick Cave. Oh, wow. Which was pretty. So every time I hear that song, I yeah, just yeah. ball, yeah, yeah. start crying. Because yeah. <laughs> it's such an emotional connection. Yeah. But that's the thing with music, isn't it? Well, it operates on your nervous system, right? And you can't quite control it. I use a lot when I'm writing. I'll Do you? put a song on loop for like all day. I'll listen to just any song because like just some part of it. Robert Fripp guitar in Bowie's uh, Heroes. Mm. This sort of like whale call sound very much fits the emotion of this movie to me. nostalgic and kind of bittersweet and at the same time triumphant and hopeful and forward moving you know mm. and so that that vibe or that opposite movement thing really influenced me I'm an alligator I'm a mama papa coming for you I'm the space invader I'll be a rock and roll your young cast as well and giving them a really great kind of insight into a time of music that they may well have been familiar with but if they're not now they've got a great insight <laughs> into it as well I'm not sure Luke is totally 
<laughs> he ran from it or he embraced it? I mean, I mean uh, you know, Greta really loved it. And that's how Greta and me started talking about Abby. We started mapping out her, her music history. Okay. When she first heard what. And my sister got into punk via Bowie and like Roxy music and you know. Mm -hmm. And when you get into punk that way, it's a very different kind of punk. It's a transgressive, transgendered punk. You know, uh, and like Lou Reed and Transformer and Velvet Underground, it's a more intellectual version. So it's very important for us. Which we, we mapped out her her sort of record history, which is a really fun way to build a character. And it was very natural to Greta. And then I showed her lots of videos. There's these great videos of Susie Banshees on their 1980 tour. So it's a little late for me, but there's a lot of videos of tours she did then, and her dancing. It's so amazing. She's such an amazing dancer. And just her energy as a woman, you know, and just her sexuality and her way she presents herself. And she's like simultaneously rough and magical. And that was really helpful to Greta. to before your sister introduced you to punk? Skateboarding and the scene of skateboarding introduced me to punk. And just simultaneously my sisters were into it. And I'm a California kid, so they were turning me on to the LA hardcore scene, Black Flag, Adolescence, TSOL, Circle Jerks, that whole world. Dark mornings fill the air. Some conform of the spread of parade of the horror balls. Sisters taught me about Talking Heads, mm. and once you get into Talking Heads, you kind of you have a different slice and a little bit more of the CBGB scene. Yeah. Patty Smith, television, stuff like that. Great record collection. Yeah, That's yeah. That's a great record collection yeah. right there. Yeah.
Can we talk a little bit about beginners as well and the music yeah. in beginners? Yeah. Um, because again, it's a, it's a hugely important part of the film. Yeah, it was, I do use it to define characters. I did the same thing here. So this movie's like As Time Go By meets Buzzcocks. Mm -hmm. uh, and in beginners, my dad listened to classical music all the time. And I found these Bach concertos that were converted to solo French horn. French horns is such a beautiful kind of tragic funerary sound to me. You know, it's like yeah. a, it's like emotions incarnate. Yeah. You know, because it's about my dad's dying, so it really just suited him to mm -hmm. me. My mom would listen to, my mom's just a much more salty leader person, always identified with an underdog, <laughs> thought of herself as a huge civil rights person, very proud Jew, even though she was totally secular and, <laughs> and, and barely Jewish, you know, but she really rode that horse. <laughs> and she listened to The Sting, the soundtrack for The Sting all the time, which has all these piano rags, you know. So I was investigating that, and then I got into Jelly Roll Morton, who's just amazing. And in America, you can get him. He's on the Library of Congress, so it's kind of like, I don't know what the equivalent is here. It's like the Victorian Albert Museum or something. Yeah, yeah. It's very cheap. Like, it's $2,000 a pop, which is incredibly cheap in a movie, but it's like, you know, the history <laughs> yeah. of jazz. Wow. Yeah, so Jelly Roll Morton came to represent my mom. She's decidedly, by choice, not as culturally fancy as my dad. She found him pretentious. <laughs> so it's like Bach meets Jelly Roll Morton in that film. Now you've got sweet jazz music. I don't, I don't have any name for it. Just a number that I just thought I'd play a while here just to give a person a good idea. 
riffs, in, what you call riffs in the jazz, you know, in the slow tunes. I've seen this blundered up so many times it has given me the heart failure. That's my foot if you happen to think of something like this. <laughs> great way to describe your characters and the relationships yeah. by using composers it's, yeah it's brilliant i love the scene in beginners where he's just been to a club and, yeah yeah and he calls up yeah Ian's character going they played this me yeah yeah he's writing it down yeah. house music yeah brilliant. and you could do the beat thing <laughs> such a great yeah. scene oliver yeah <laughs> i'm not sorry i woke you <laughs> <laughs> i went to akbar tonight you did? Yeah, no, they had some wonderfully loud music. <laughs> what kind of music's that? Probably house music. House music. <laughs> okay. So my dad came out and he entered like a gay scene at 75 and it was this beautiful revolution for him on multiple levels. The tell that my father was gay when he was a closeted straight man was that you'd find him occasionally at night with a scotch dancing by himself to Edith Piaf in his office. No, rien de rien. into music and when he came out he got it really into Kenny G wow which he found really sexual he would tell me <laughs> like it's hot it's hot music it's sexy music which is just the funniest interpretation <laughs> with um because you work with a number of bands on different projects and artists do you think that has had any influence on on how you use music within your feature filmmaking well i think it's more like i was in bands like in high school so mm -hmm. i started off thought i was going to be a professional skateboarder it didn't work out this skating scene turned me on to the punk scene i was in bands when i was like 14 15 and I was hoping that was going to be my life. And I wasn't that good of a musician. You know, it just wasn't good enough. Music was sort of one of my first loves, really, and my first entry into, like, creativity. And, like...
like I said, I grew up in this family where you, because my parents were born in their 20s and just the souls that they were, they didn't talk about their lives or their emotions. And Santa Barbara is like this impossibly sunny place where you're supposed to be happy. And I wasn't. And so I felt very alienated and very odd. And then I listened to The Damned or Gang of Four or Susie or something and it'd be like, oh, okay, there's other options. For The Cure, I remember that first Cure record just in the dark, very loud. And it uh, allowed me to feel other things that I was feeling that I was denying, you know. 10.15 on a Saturday night An attack drips under the strip light And I'm sitting in the kitchen sink And the tap drips drip, 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 drip. So it's always been like very key to me. And then I've worked with a lot of bands and a lot of music videos. And music and film go together for so many reasons. They're both in time. I think that's the main reason. It's, it's a time-based experience. Mm. And it's sort of, they're both kind of operate on a semi-unconscious level, you know? Yeah. So, so to me, it's all intertwined. think of film musically. I think of it as verse, chorus, verse, chorus, or I think of it as the way the songs can be slow and build or have these changes in energy. That will often influence me in a bigger passage of filmmaking. films that had an impact on you where the music was yeah I remember like when I was in high school I saw The, the Wall we don't need no education we don't need no thoughts control no dark sarcasm in the classroom But I did that, you know, and it really like yeah. walloped me. And in a similar way, it had a message that punk was having. You know, you're not alone being insane. You're not flawed and sick for feeling insane. This world is making you feel insane. And that's a great relief to hear. <laughs> yeah.
love the way Godard uses music, often as an interruption, often as very present, it's not melting into the background. Fellini uses music. Those movies I saw in college, like freshman year of college, I went to art school, so like, I think, I don't, I don't know if it's here, same thing, like Friday Night Film Club, yeah. you know, and it's free, and so you can go <laughs> see all these things, and you're 18 years old. And like, those movies I saw then really did hit me, and I think those guys use music pretty strongly, so that always felt like natural to me. Not even as a choice, just feel like, oh yes, that's how good movies are. beginners and, and 20th century women and, and music is such an important part to both those films it kind of defines the characters really mm -hmm. was that a conscious thing for you or was it just the way that you have written your films and directed them well i definitely love music and all that but no super conscious and it's a way to talk about history both these films are really meditations on how we construct ourselves and the culture we're in and I'm dealing with characters that are with these really big generation gaps because my parents were 40 when they had me and they were born in the 20s. They're both World War II vets. I was born in the 60s and I'm like a vet of nothing. And so me and my parents are separated so much by the worlds that we grew up in and our loves and ideas of ourselves, our most secret thoughts are interwoven with these big social norms and waves and things that are possible and impossible, you know. And I feel like those movies are talking about that. And music is similar to that. Emotions of a Rudy Valley song very much kind of describe the emotional wavelength of my parents. Everything's okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. And this is all cheery and this is great. And then, you know, Why Can't I Touch It by the Buzzcocks is perfect for me. Like, it all looks so real, it smells so real. Why can't I touch it? Which yeah. is a very 70s problem. I can't remember it myself. I'm a little rusty on it. I'll hum it for you. Mm -hmm. 
just remember this A kiss is just a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply As time goes by And when two lovers woo They still say I love you On that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by Sam, I thought I told you never to play. What was lovely about the film as well was it made me go back and explore the music from the films that are reference points for Dorothea, Annette's character, you know, mm -hmm. Casablanca, the Bogart films and things like that, and I don't know, it feels like it should be celebrated mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, I love all that music. The hardest song to get in our movie wasn't Bowie, it was As Time Goes By by Rudy Valley because it's part of the Casablanca estate. go to Warner's archive and they have a phone with no answering machine. And it's this older woman that protects all those old Warner films. writing via fax and who and, still has a fax yeah machine? <laughs> and, uh, and you just get the sense that you know and there is a beautiful part of warner brothers it's in burbank los angeles yeah los angeles actually does have history it's not like history here but it, it is a history and that's its history you know like casablanca was made right by the la river and by in and out burger you know <laughs> and I find that kind of fascinating. So that we got to get into like the heart of the weirdness that is the Warner Brothers archive. Yeah. It was really fascinating to me. And we had to fight and fight and fight and fight for that song. And I was like, God, it's so key. And that's how the film ends is as time goes by and then and then the credits go and then the Buzzcock song comes up and to me it's like, Okay, if, if you didn't get what the movie was about yet, like hopefully <laughs> hopefully that'll that'll do it. How did you resolve that? Uh, perseverance. Just keep going, keep going, because we don't have a lot of money and we're not like a big deal and they don't care. So it's just like you gotta keep going, keep going, yeah. Worth it. Yeah, yeah. It's so worth it. Yeah. Are you thinking about the next film yet? I have some thoughts. So here's how I write. So lately I've been walking around listening to Frank Ocean's record, which I adore, and for its sort of ambient collaginess. So I'm gonna walk around Los Angeles where I live listening to that and like there's just something about the space mm -hmm. of that record. It's yeah. so contemporary feeling to me. And Los Angeles is so contemporary, it's such a modern city, such a blank, weird, not pretty, um, but very thick with the dilemmas and issues that are now to me. So I'm kind of coming from 
I'm writing from the feeling I hope my film would have, which is sort of a Frank Ocean-y L.A. feeling. Yeah. And I don't know what the fuck the film is. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> but I have kind of like the feeling I think you would feel when you're watching the movie. That's a good place to start. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. My absolute pleasure to chat yeah, to you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, and, um, thank you. And I can't wait for the next one. Thanks. For a check, tell him it ain't likely. Said she need a ring like Carmelo. You must be on that white like Othello. All you want is Nikes, but the real ones just like you. Just like me Frank Ocean's latest album, Blonde, that's Nike's, providing a tantalising glimpse of the tone of Mike Mills' next film, whatever that may be. My huge thanks to Mike for taking the time to talk to us. 20th Century Women is on general release now, with the soundtrack, including parts of Roger Neal's score, available via Rhino Records, both come highly recommended. Find out exactly what we played by heading to edithbowman.com where you can also listen to every single episode of Soundtracking. You can subscribe there too or at iTunes or Audioboom if you prefer. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Soundtracking UK and spread the word amongst your pals if you've enjoyed what you've heard. Next up is Ang Lee. Need I say more? I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.